0: Welcome to a meteoric edition huh? of ARG Presents. I'm your good buddy, your good pal, Amigo Aaron, joined by a man that came in. He hit like a meteor today with
1: his grumpy grumpery. It's the Brent. Are you actually already saying our show is mediocre? No, meteoric. Me- mediocre. Meteoric. You're an idiot. <laughs> this is why he doesn't do the opening, folks. Oh, so, oh. I'll, I'll, you know, I've got an opening. You, we just filmed the opening. Hello, everyone. Welcome to an horrific
0: episode. Listen, when you say meteoric, that takes some—that's intelligence, are Anybody could have came up with that. Anyway, if you joined us last week. We spun the wheel. We made the deal. And this week, Brent, I'm excited about this one. It's the triple threat this week. It's the third time we've covered this machine, but it came up on a retro rewind. It's the Bam. It's the Oric. The Oric. The British machine that hit it big in the big F, if you know what I mean. Uh, this will be our third. No, I have no idea what you mean by that. It's France, man. It did good in France. This is the third look at the Oric. We've <coughs> looked at the Oric 1. We've looked at the Oric Atmos. And today, we're sort of looking at uh, an amalgamation of the two because I was talking to Brent. I'm like, you know, we've covered the Oric a couple of times, <clears throat> and we've talked about the different machines. But I was like, what's the scoop on these Orics? What makes them different? Because there's a, a level of compatibility there. Almost nothing. The funny thing about the Oric is Brent and I looked into this to see what the difference between the Oric One and the Oric uh, Atmos. The Oric One, of course, was the original. Yes. The Atmos comes out with that. I will say the attractive black and red keyboard, like a mm-hmm. proper keyboard. So I looked into this uh, to see what in God's name was different amongst the two machines. And what's different between these two machines is the keyboard mainly, but there's a few differences. One thing, the Oric 1 was very buggy. I've read that the Oric 1 had a lot of uh, built-in bugs, and so the Oric Atmos was sort of the attempt to uh, repair that. It wasn't 100% successful either, uh, by the way. Uh, So, of course, aside from the uh, keyboard, the Atmos has an extra key, which is a function key, it's a key that you can program to do stuff. Ooh. Yeah, and so you can actually macro. Allegedly, there are fifty plus possible mm. functions you can put on this key. Oh, that's kind of cool. Uh, secondly, the uh, ORIC, uh, the ORIC one, <clears throat> excuse me, has sort of a the case was made with a certain indention in it. That was supposed to it was speaker grill related, but I guess they didn't use it, so it just doesn't do anything. That little area there—that's kind of a kind of a nutty thing. Uh, the uh, <clears throat> the ORIC Atmos the BIOS has extra commands in it. Okay, it's great, right? Well, here's the problem. What this did was this made a lot of the original ORIC stuff not work. So, despite the fact that there are basically nothing, no differences in the two, except for a few different uh, commands and a few different bias calls, the compatibility is sketchy at best.
1: Unfortunate.
0: <clears throat> so, I think I read that you're looking at somewhere in the ballpark of 70% of the software on the Oric one won't work on the Atmos, which is, <laughs> they really dropped the ball on that one, uh, if you <laughs> ask me. Uh, just as a quick refresher, uh, if you're new to the ORIC, so the ORIC, again, it was a UK machine developed by an outfit called Tangerine Computer Systems. Uh, it's a 6502 CPU, ran at one megahertz. Uh, you could have memory up to 48K, not too bad, uh, and was uh, not super cheap. Uh, you're talking somewhere in the 170-pound range when the original ORICS uh, came out. Again, the major between the two is the keyboard. The orc 1's keyboard seems to be god-awful. Uh, the Orc 2 looks pretty good. I mean, it looks like a proper keyboard. It doesn't sound like a big deal, but if you've got the Orc oh, 1, yeah, and you're trying to type crap in, like
1: you're not sure you use it in the keyboard. It's not garbage. For when, This is back in a time when typing in your own stuff was, I mean, maybe not the norm, but was definitely more done than it is today. Yeah, and the Orc 2, or the Orc Atmos also had, like,
0: you know how they've got um, the C64 has uh, the little commands also on the keyboard? Yeah. It had that kind of uh, functionality as well. You can do little commands like that. So, they weren't totally dissimilar, but again, just dissimilar enough to make it annoying. But, I mean, if you're going to get one of these, I don't know, it's a tough call. It's really, if you, if you want to play the most games, you would probably want the original Oric. I would think. I'm not sure, because I'm not sure which one had the most games Because when you look through these, when you see lists and stuff, they're sort of used interchangeably. Right. So it's hard to even tell what you're looking at. I see a lot of stuff for the Orc Atmos. I guess I'd go with that. But, I mean, if you want to play the classic stuff, the classic Orc stuff, then you're pretty much going to have to, you know, it, it, good luck. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> so, But, yeah, aside from that, no huge difference. So now we know because we did a show on each one, and even when we did the shows, I was like, I can't see much of a graphical difference. Right. I couldn't see much of a side. That's because there wasn't a, a, a difference uh, to speak of on either one. So having looked at these a couple times, and, Brie, you looked up earlier the shows we did on these. Yes. Let's talk just briefly before we move on. The games we cover
1: just for future reference. If you want to go back for more, even more auric fun after the, uh, today's episode, you can go back to ARG Presents episode 83, where we take a look at Doggy and Zorgon's Revenge. Yeah, I, I remember that one. I do remember Doggy being kind of fun. And Zorgon's Revenge is one of your flagship titles for the Auric, as I recall. And the episode 109... Uh, we all, we looked at Damsel in Distress and Lone Raider. Yeah, uh, Damsel in Distress being the hardest game ever made. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, Get back to Doggy for a minute. Wasn't
0: Doggy the guy that made that? Wasn't that the guy that went on to like flashback or something? I, he he ended up being a pretty big deal, as I recall. The guy that did Doggy. So the, there's a, there's some history there if you're interested in that one. So. Well, that said, of course, we we're we going to pick two new ones here. Yes. I think we actually, of the, of the three shows we've done in New York, I think this is might be the king dong of the shows in terms of the game quality, in my opinion. Uh, I'll lead the dance this week, Brent. Uh, so I looked around, and I saw two I really wanted to do, and I ultimately picked one of the two. Uh, but the funny thing is the same guy wrote of both. So <laughs> I thought that was good. I didn't know that at the time. So I went with the good old-fashioned, because you know me, I like to get into a scuba dive occasionally. Get in my gear, my scuba gear. So I picked Scuba Dive. Uh, Scuba Dive uh, was released on the ORIC in 1984, although this is a game, and the ORIC did have some uh, games on it that got multi-platform releases. All the time. It's not like a freak computer, they only had one release. This one also got released on the C64 (laughs) and the ZX Spectrum a year earlier. Uh, on the Oric, it was written by Ron Jeffs. Uh, Ron Jeffs has another credit on the Oric, which was Harrier Attack, which was the other game I thought about buying. It's like a shoot up game. It looked pretty good. Uh, uh, Ron Jeffs did some stuff on other computers as well, tons of stuff on the ZX and the, and the C64. So he did have a uh, 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 different games. Uh, this one uh, published and developed by Durrell. If I'm not mistaken, Brent, uh, yeah, Uh Durrell also responsible for fat with that fat worm. Oh, blows a, a sparky. blows a sparky. I knew I had to look over because the box is hanging on the wall. And I was like, I know I've seen that before. And that's there. That was Durrell. Uh So you know it's quality. Durell's involved in it. Uh, this game is a multi, it's a flip screen game with uh, multi screens uh, of joy and fun. Let's just get right into the game. There's not a lot of backstory on these things because there's not a whole lot of, on them. Um, so, in Scuba Diver, Scuba Dive, you take on the role of a group of scuba divers. And what do scuba divers do in a game? They're not just out there looking at the beautiful ocean floor, they're out for gold and jewels and uh, money, the big stuff, payoff, payola. In this game, you're going to take on the role of one of these fellows. Now the game's interesting when it comes up. The first thing it does is have you uh, pick your skill level and adjust the sound. This game does have sound. Or games, I wouldn't call the sound C sixty four level no. or anything. It's more beepy. But I mean, they, it plays songs. Yeah, it plays a little simple tunes. Uh, this will let you
1: uh, adjust the sound all the way up or all the way down, which is nice because yeah, I, I suggest down. Well, way. yeah, it's it's interesting that that's an option, <clears throat> yeah. And, and the scaler in it uh, has you go from all mute to incredibly death loud, yeah. I mean, it goes really, really loud, yeah,
0: yeah. It, it goes way up there. So once you once you've uh, fooled with the sound, you can pick the skill level. Now, there's something else that's kind of odd about this one. Your skill level you can pick is one to five. When you pick one, like, I picked one and just sat there and sat there and nothing happened for a while, and I thought, huh, okay, so I thought maybe, you know, sometimes you when you, i put this on the mister, sometimes when you've got, you're emulating a computer or or simulating the keyboard's a little bit weird. You know, I thought maybe that's what happened, but no. For whatever reason, when you pick level one, or level two, it takes a while to load. When you pick level three, it
1: loads right up.
0: I don't know why that is. I, I, I did
1: not experience the yeah. same the same slowness on picking level one. one. Yeah, it was. Weird. I hit one; it worked just fine.
0: Then the game came up, and you're presented with a, an ocean scene and some guys riding around a boat. And then it took me forever to figure out how to do anything. I tried all the keys. I was like, "What's going on here?" Well. In the boat, you like I said, there's a guy driving and two guys in the boat um, behind him and a ladder. And so what you've got to do is you've actually got to use the arrow keys to move over to the ladder. And then you've got to climb down the ladder to get in the water. All right. Yeah. That's the that's the key element here, which it, it sounds it sounds simple, but it was really easy to miss. Then you're presented with this uh, sea this uh, scene. It's a side view. And there's all sorts of creatures swimming back and forth across the scene. At the bottom, there are these little yellow things that open and close. And then there's a uh, uh, what is a, a, an octopus at the bottom yeah. of the screen that has a his tendrils roll out to cover this opening where you can dive through. So the way this game works is when your diver's in the water, he as soon as he's in the water, he instantly starts using his oxygen. The oxygen's represented at a bar on the top of the screen. It's marked air. <clears throat> all right, fair enough. As you go down, there's an arrow that slides down the bar to tell you how little oxygen you've got left or how much. Uh, in this game, to score any points, you have to successfully gather something, and then you have to successfully get back on the boat. You get no points. You can have all the jewels you want, but if you're not back on the boat, you get no score. All right. So it would be easy to assume that you stink of the game because you have a zero score. That's because you didn't make back to the boat. So, on this first screen, you see a lot of these little yellow things at the bottom open and closed. This is the first place you can score. These are oysters. You're harvesting pearls from them. them. Yeah. And you have to time it as they completely open and they completely shut. Have, when they're completely open, if you push down right dead center on them, uh, you will pick up the pearl, and then you can swim back up or keep it. Now, there's no limit to the amount of stuff you can collect. <clears throat> the limit is how much air you've got left. Because you've got to get this stuff back to the boat to 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 pot, deposit your treasure. Okay, so you can be very greedy on the first level. Roy, really all you can get is oysters, pearls. Then you, if you bop, get past the the octopus's arms, you can go into the sub uh, system of the ocean. You know this cave area, right? The cave area goes on for quite a while. And the further in, the further, uh, the better treasure you can get. At first, you're just gathering like pearls, but eventually, if you get down there and gather like there's like gold or like diamonds down there. And at the top of the screen, it keeps tra- it's got a little list of the stuff you've gathered, so that you've got back to the boat, <coughs> right? And so you, as you go through the game, you're going to these caverns and you're trying to get as much as you can. Now, when you get into the caverns, it's not like there's nothing going on there. You've got all sorts of craziness going on down in there, including tons of more octopuses. That are blocking your path, and you've also got uh, these weird, like sea urchins—I guess you'd call them. They're like look like almost like uh, a starfish or something, but they've got—they're more you know yucky looking. They look nothing like a starfish. They look like sea urchin. That's what I went for. Sea urchin, yes. Yeah. Starfish, no. Uh, well, I mean, you know what I mean. But you go through and these things; these things go back and forth and up and down real quick, you know. And so you've got to avoid these things. You'll notice that when you move on to a different screen. <clears throat> the uh, The screen, when it flips, it can sometimes put you in a different spot. It's like you don't necessarily come <sighs> in the door. Well, it may put you there, may be a guy right on top of you. So, swimming in the different screens can be a, an issue underground. You know, anytime you go past the opening screen, weird stuff can happen. Normally, it's okay, but sometimes it will beam you into a hole like the middle of the cavern, for example, not at the opening. Sometimes it will put you right on top of a bad guy. Yeah. You know, and we'll get into the, the flaws of the game. But as you swim forward, of course, you're, you're using up the oxygen. You go as far as you can. And the further you go into the cavern, the better the loot. Once you take your loot back, then you've got to swim back. Swimming back in this game, it's not like you beam back up. It takes it takes every bit of the same amount of time to get there. And these, this guy doesn't move at what I would call lightning speed. These levels are are tough to get through. Plus <clears throat> the octopuses that are all over the place that guard the different openings, they are they don't have a rhythm necessarily to their tendrils. Sometimes they'll they go quick, sometimes they'll sit there for a while, and sometimes they'll pull their tendrils back and then whip them back out real quick. They're real tough to read. Like there's no like there's no way you could time it as you would normally time Something like this. And if they hit you, you're dead. Everything kills you. I should mention that. So, that's pretty much the game. Swim back and forth, down through the tunnels, picking this stuff up. The first go I had on this, <clears throat> and a lot of good, I had a lot of good runs on this. I could get real deep into the caverns a lot of times. But man, getting out, you would often just get killed in a very pedestrian way. And it was almost always those octopuses or just the straight up glitch. We should probably go into the glitchiness of this. So, as I mentioned, the octopuses are a trial, and there's no there's no basis for their movement. But they're not the worst. The worst is the sea urchin thing that swims around underwater because it will just you'll, as soon as you go into a different cavern, they haven't accounted for your positioning in the cavern, and so one of these things can just get you the second you go in. You can't. You, there's no reaction time. You just instantly get killed. You can't see them. You can't do anything. It's a game flaw. <clears throat> and this happens over and over. And I also mentioned the fact that you sometimes teleport for no reason in the middle of the room. That can sometimes be a good thing, but it's often a bad thing because most of the underground caves have sea urchins in
1: them. Uh, Brent, what did you think of this one? <clears throat> a few things to say about this. Yeah. This isn't a this isn't a bad game, mm-hmm. but it's also not a good game uh, because it, it's... It's unfortunately hindered by its flaws to, to an extent that it's frustrating. Uh, when you move your scuba diver, you can only move them up, down, left, right. And whenever you change directions, you, I, it does a, a, a visually pleasing animation where he kind of whips around. He doesn't, you don't just pinpoint It's not like you're going one direction and then you're suddenly going another. It has a little animation. And that little animation takes you one row or one column different than you were before. Um, Which that can be very frustrating when you're trying to squeeze through a tight passageway or you're trying to pick up loot. You have to account for that little shift. So that's annoying, but it's not... You know, you, you get used to it. Uh, the the inexcusable thing is the, the, as Aaron mentioned, the the deaths where you're just scrolling the screen. Now, up and down, this game is a, com- a normal flip screen game. Uh, you exit down the bottom, and then you would reappear at the top of the screen. However, when you do left to right, it's almost like they're trying to scroll flip screen. And what I mean by that is... You'll have a single screen, and you will swim all the way to the left. But when the screen shifts, it doesn't flip a full screen. It will only flip about 45% of the screen and put you in the middle. So it's it's not scrolling by any means because it is a sudden shift. But it doesn't take you from... Exiting to the left and then put your character on the right. It is. All, I didn't about that. exit to the left and it puts you in the middle. Yeah. And that is where a lot of the unfortunate deaths come from. Um, also, every time you pick up a treasure, uh, the sea urchin will teleport. Uh, and, and sometimes you can actually pick up a treasure and it will teleport on top of you, which is obviously not supposed to happen. And it... it, it really kill some of the action. same thing with the screen transfer it's not like the sea urchin is traveling a a set path uh it will just disappear out of one location and reappear in another it will it will once it finds its new location it will scroll up and down left or right and be predictable but its teleportation is uh uh unfortunate um is this game fun? No, because of the reasons I just mentioned. Is this game worth taking a look at? Yes, because it has some neat aspects. The uh, sound on this is not great. It's, it's random noise. A well, lot. It, it it is. It's when, simulating being underwater. I think, when when you go under uh, into the cave system, when you're out with because your very first screen is you're with the boat and you've got just swimming down to the seafloor. That sound effector's everything's fine, but when you're under in the cave system, it I guess it's trying to simulate like the bubble noise maybe. Yeah, you know, uh, I think that's exactly what it was. But it's it's horrible. It's loud. It's screechy.
0: I think that they knew that. That's why they let you shut it off. I think that might be the reason they did that. <laughs>
1: um, I think it is kind of neat that when you start a new guy, uh, you have to press. Right to walk to the ladder yeah. and then drop down, but the even that even getting into the water, that system is flawed because the boat will automatically scroll from left to right and then uh, appear on the other side, Pac Man style, right? Like you go into a tunnel, and if there is something right under your boat, you just have to set and wait. And there is plenty of setting and waiting in this game already. You are waiting for the octopus. To tentacles to, to come back you're waiting for the sea urchin to teleport to its new location you're waiting for a shark to swim by and just to have one more thing that you have to sit on waiting for Eh, and eh. this is a game that if you tweaked it up and there's plenty of games like this this isn't like it's breaking tremendous new ground but if you tweak this up it could be a lot more fun than it currently.
0: Yeah, is. I, you know it's funny. I didn't, I didn't even put two and two together. But you're right. When you're going horizontal, that's when the teleporting happens. Yeah. So that's probably what they were well, trying to do. Yeah. Uh, the I agree with Brent uh, for the most part. This game was on the cusp. It was actually this. I still think it's fun, but you've got to go into it's it so knowing it knowing the
1: flaws. Yeah.
0: And it's it's one of those games where you get killed for no reason, and because I mean the system they've got here is great. This is probably just something that they he did the best he could. You know, I don't know. I don't want to bury this guy, but I mean, there clearly there were some flaws in the game that could have been addressed. Yeah. And also, the movement of your guy, like harvesting oysters, is real difficult. You've got to swim directly straight down when they're open. It's, that's that's a and, and it's not. they worth ten it. points. Yeah. You know, they're worth practically nothing. Uh, this game got a release, like I mentioned on some uh, on the ZX on the C
1: sixty four. What is it? Uh, one more thing to mention: the cave system is it, it's not. Totally random, yeah. but what cave you you swim in is different when you every time you play.
0: Well, I thought it was, some of it's based on skill level, too, because they changed it's the character right. to the skill level. Um, anyway, this did get a, a release. I thought we'd look at the C64 version, which I've been told is the best version of this game, and uh, if you're watching at home, you can see that there this one has real-time underground scrolling. Of course, it's brown under there, because that's just the way the thing rolled, but, I mean, it looks it looks pretty similar. I noticed that the boat doesn't move on the first opening level, you know, like it does on this one. I mean, it barely moves. And the, uh, on the C64 version, the boat's just puttering along. And the auric, the boat's hauling butt, going as fast as it can. So, yeah, this looks like it might be kind of fun. It might be worth trying this one that gauges stuff a little bit different. You, it's also, a game. you also
1: notice that in the C64 version, it doesn't have that... Uh, scuba diver turn animation. It's just snap snap. Yeah. And also, I'm, I'm, I'm Which seeing, I liked I'm seeing far
0: fewer enemies on this yeah. version as well. So, might be worth having a look at. Uh, they're almost two completely different games, in my opinion. Well, I mean, they're the same game, just, just done different ways. You know, that's the way it looks to me. Uh, we did get a couple reviews of this game, uh, the brand. I was surprised I used to see that. Uh, Pajaco chimed in. He says, scuba dive, a cool concept with a great risk-reward mechanic. Dive for more treasure and risk losing it all, or get back to the boat and claim your riches. Graphics are good for this system. There are a variety of creatures to make things interesting. I didn't get on uh, with having to swim vertically into things to pick them up, but heck, that, that's the mechanic, so I'll live with it. The sound design is odd, <laughs> That's true, and for the and for most of the game, you'll be hearing what sounds like something like computer sound effects number sixty nine from a uh, sound effects tape. <laughs> Not really my idea of underwater sounds. Of the two games this week, I honestly thought this was going to be the better game, but sadly no. The game cheaps out because you can move to a new screen and collide with a baddie and die. Uh, this is especially poor yeah. when you try to exit the caverns, you get to the boat, only be wiped out by a sea beast before you could avoid it. Not for me, but maybe for you, five out of 10. We also had uh, Spinny chime in this week. Spinny writes, a game I fondly remember from the Spectrum back in the day. The Oric version, however, does not have the big colorful graphics of the Spectrum version, which had large sharks and shoals of fish swimming by. Using the cursor keys, you move around trying to avoid floating creatures to dive down and deeper to gain the prized treasures beneath. The treasures in this case being small white boxes. Compare this to the ZX version, where you swim into an opening and closing, and claim collecting pearls. This, the creatures respawn every uh, every time you collect a treasure, which can be an advantage, but also a total pain. Yeah. Either appearing just next to you or blocking paths. The sounds in the orc makes uh, is excuse me the sounds the orc make is quite something else. <laughs> all of the sounds play all at once in what seems to be a random order blaring out from the speaker. The saving grace is that you can turn down the sound before you start the game. It's an okay game for a short while. It passed some time, 5 out of 10. I believe Spinny actually played this on an org, I believe. Oh, that's so awesome. I think he has the, an actual org. So that tells me that we're the, the, uh, the, the uh, mister is doing a good job with it. So overall... I find this a fun game, it, but it's just it's a shame that they couldn't iron out the kinks in yeah. it. And I will say one thing: I, I mentioned this was. A, I wondered how close this was to the ZX release because the Oracle This game seemed to almost have the same sort of graphical uh, issues that the ZX has with the colors in a couple places, which I thought was odd. Uh, but again. Not too bad. May not be your
1: bag, but I thought it was okay uh, myself. What did you bring to the table this week to Brent? Aaron, I, of course, once again, reached deep into the Oregon catalog and pulled out an amazing, a wonderful, spectacular game. You did reach deep. I will give you that. (coughs) This is a deep reach. And and I pulled out Zebby. 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 This game, there wasn't a ton of information on Zebby. There was not. But Zebby was released by IJK Software. Yeah. And if you've ever seen their logo, it's IJK. Yeah, what is the that? The laziest <laughs> logo of all time. What are the S's for? Well, Aaron, let me tell you what the S's are. And this might be a name you're familiar with. All right. The S's stand for Sinclair. Okay. and I am. The, uh, this is three... Family members, John, Ian, and Keith. Okay. Now, Aaron, do you know someone else named Sinclair? Yes, Sir Clive. Yeah, no relation. Oh, you built me up for that. (laughs) The game was written by Jay Buckley, and... Through my extensive searching, I really wanted to find this guy. Yeah. I, I was unable to find Jay Buckley or anything else he'd ever worked on or ever touched. Really, unfortunately, so. So this was the only game you could find that he did. That's exactly what I just That's said. Stunning That's to right. Me. That's stunning Uh to me. Now, Aaron S uh, S S I J K. They, if you look back at episode. 109 also released the game I reviewed then damsels in distress dams on distress and if you remember dams on distress it was absolutely ridiculously hard yeah i mean insanely hard brutal it was cool looking though. it was it was a it was a very interesting game um the game uh, uh zebby is also ridiculously hard, not to the levels of dams on distress. Nothing is that hard. No, this is uh, a game it just takes a lot of touch. It does. Uh, real quick though, with IJK Software, they were around for uh, a handful of years from from uh, eighty two to eighty seven. They released things primarily on the uh, be uh, the Acorn. Uh, the CBC, the ZX Spectrum, and of course the Oric. Mm. Small publisher, but they actually have a decent catalog to their name. Uh, they, they are a publisher in the truest meaning of the word. They do no production that I or no programming that I saw. Uh, all of their things are just from different developers. Alright. So let's talk a little bit about Zebi. First of all, what is a Zebby? well i don't know (laughs) the box art has the main character looking almost like an onion with a big comic nose and his body is a spring i believe he's supposed to be an alien it's really hard to tell i looked for a story on this and there really isn't much out there uh what I can assure you Zebby is, though, is fun. A crap ton of fun. In Zebby, what? <laughs> Just the waste of crap ton of fun. <laughs> uh, Zebby is an auto-scroller runner. So it's an auto-runner. You control Zebby. Your, your controls are left and right, and a button, the button charges up your spring, how much tension you're pressing down on your spring and when you let go of the button you release all that and you will you will jump into the air so as an endless scroller you've got platforms that are usually on a high medium or low uh uh, level on the screen and you at the bottom fire instant death at the top is a roof right and if you bump into the roof it doesn't just It doesn't kill you, but it will drop you down at a sharp angle. Uh, Your goal as you're climbing over this pit, endless pit of fire, is to collect oil and other petroleum products. And if you can collect five petroleum products, you'll get to the bonus stage. Sure? I never got to the bonus stage. No, no. It's very, (laughs) very difficult. Um... In the bonus stage, though, you can't, the the fire is removed, you actually get a ground. So for a short while, you can't die. Uh, Or at least, I don't think there's a way to die. I guess you can technically get smashed to the back of the screen and die. That is always an option. Also, if you hit the side of a platform, that will kill you. So that's very interesting. Um, Zebby is all about score, it's a high score game. It scrolls. The, the screen itself scrolls kind of jittery, <clears throat> but Zebby, as a character, scrolls very, very well as a sprite. Yeah, uh, it's going good. It, it's pretty amazing. <clears throat> um, I really enjoyed this game, and it is so frustrating because when you release the button to jump, it's not instant. There is a delay. And you have to learn that delay. And it's so frustrating because it's just longer than you think it is, which will make you run off of platforms and plummet into the fire. And just when you think, okay, I've got it, you start jumping too early. And it's a constant. Now, the the actual timing never changes. But you have to build up this meter, get right to the right amount of power to make the next jump. And you will, it's it's mind-numbingly frustrating in a fun way. You will swear this game off a dozen times and keep loading it back up. Uh, Aaron, did you experience frustration while playing this incredible game? I
0: did. You know, I love the live chat. I'm going to touch this real quick. Michiyama chimes in, our good buddy in the UK. He says there was a character called uh, Zebedee... In the children's TV show, The Magic Roundabout, that had hey, spring for a body, it may have influenced this case. Oh, there you go. So there you go. Mitsuyama may have cleared up the uh, mystery there.
1: Mitsuyama, was it an onion seeking an endless <laughs> lake of fire? Yeah. So <laughs> my thoughts on Zeby, I was, I was like, when I,
0: when I first found this thing, it was not the easiest thing to find either. It's not like a real, what I would call a major league title in the order as far not. as I could tell. Uh, and you look at it. And it, it, the back, the, in the in the music in the background, da 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 da. Yes. You know, it's got that kind of music going. And but the music's fine. And then uh, it's, <laughs> so this my, in my mind, and with the fire thing, this is sort of like a Circus Charlie type of game where you you know where you have to jump over stuff. But Why is he collecting oil and petroleum. Yeah, <laughs> but the neat thing is uh, the the game mechanic. The key game mechanic is the spring holding the sp- button down to the jump. Yes. And the one thing this game does that because there was you could botch that. All right. Yes. And you're right. There's a there's a feel you have to get to use the spring jumping. But this game is a game that came out in 84, but it had a lot it was ahead of the curve in would it comes to mechanics of jumping. Because you control your guy in the air. And the jumps are are stout. Like when you charge up that spring, you can really jump a good ways. Yes. And even if you're jumping from a standstill, it's not. It's unlike a Mario, where you have to take a big run. Like this guy can jump straight up, and you have full full control. Full control power. So you don't have to get a run at. So you can jump. What this does is allows you to jump from the tiniest little platforms, and even when there's something over, you can sort of skid your head across it as you kind of move. Yes to the next uh, area so it makes seemingly impossible jumps possible uh, to do this uh, and it's fun now it's a tricky game because they will they they do a lot of stuff to make to make you have problems whoever put these levels together like he had an idea of, of how the game worked because they're cunningly devised to hose you like, sometimes you just have a straight path, but a lot of times there are choices as to which way you want to go. Yeah. Because the screen scrolling ain't stopping. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hard scroll. And so you've got to make split-second decisions of what platforms you're going to go for. Sort of like Chaos in the arcade we played, where you have no choice. You've got to make these jumps. And also, like chaos, sometimes there's a sweeper that's built in that will just—that's a wall that's a, yeah. you it blocks your path. You don't have a choice. So sometimes you may have to go up and pick something up off one of these dead ends and then swing back down. Something else you could do in this is fall from platform to platform without doing any springing. Yeah, and, th- and that's a strategy you have to implement because. Uh, sometimes you don't need the springer. It's be bad. You don't want to take the time to rise before you fall. You well, want to just you'd go
1: hit, or hit your head and, and right. But I mean, I'm just, just saying you can spring
0: or... anytime you want. But sometimes you don't have the time, the luxury to spring. Sometimes you just want to fall quickly yeah. because you've got to spring off that next platform and you've got to have the time to charge up that spring. It doesn't take forever to
1: charge it, but it takes long enough to kill you really easy. If you're going from empty to full, it takes about. A second and a half, two seconds. Right. Which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a lot when you need to jump real high, real fast. Graphically, this
0: game's not, I mean, it's not a tour de force or anything, but nope. what it is, its, it's it, it services the concept of the game just fine. You know, you, you, you see like girders, basically. This is another game that reminds me an awful lot. The look of it reminds me of like a ZX game. Uh, And because of the way the colors are. I notice a lot of times when you jump on a platform, it changes color. I don't know if it had to do that, if it's doing it on purpose. I didn't know if it was like... Uh, uh, a journey where if you jumped on a platform many times it would just disappear but I never saw that happen yeah, I don't believe you know so uh uh the it's odd the pickups and this are odd this, there's basically inanimate fire at the bottom of, of the non-bonus section so you can you'll burn a lot of times I'd say the number one way you die is just ramming your head into the side of platforms <clears throat> the way that works is if you take a leap to get on a platform and the game says knows you're not gonna make it. And you hit that. That's it. You don't just bounce off the side. It's no, just like you, you took just, one in you, the face. Yeah, you just die. So that's the easy way to go. Uh, and sometimes, and this happened to you. I watched Britt play this on the on the Mister. Britt died over and over in the same spot, and it was because the timing of his springing was off. Yeah. And so what you've got, and you will get it. You'll get it. Uh, I guess if I have anything to say, in, in the downside of this would be I wish the springing. And I guess this could have been part of the game concept, but I would like to have had, had the more instantaneous use of the spring as opposed to having to having that little weird weight. You know that I don't know if that's well,
1: machine I, I, based. No, or, I, I think the weight was by design. The little pause, I think that was by design because you do get a feel for it. Now, Aaron, yeah. this was an Auric exclusive. Yeah, which that is not words that you say very often. Yeah, uh, but this and it's, was, I'm surprised too because. You could have put this on any machine. Anybody, yes. anything could
0: run this. Yeah. The Coco could run it. Like, anything could I mean, well, I mean, you'd have to have the scrolling. But, I mean, listen, the Oryx may just pull it off. You know what I'm saying? So it seems like it wouldn't be that huge a deal.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, and and this was made solely, at the, the the packaging, the marketing for this was, listen, this is an arcade Platformer action-style game. Yeah. We're not going for deep story. We're not going for... No, they didn't go for deep story. We're not going for longevity. This is something you're supposed to get in. A game will probably take you between 30 seconds to three minutes, and then you're out. Yeah. And if you want to play again, that's fine, but you're out. Um, there are checkpoints <laughs> yeah, as you go. Um, so you don't always just go back to the beginning. Yeah. That's handy. Which is too. nice. Yeah, they, they, they're pretty. They're okay. Like, I, they don't screw you. Normally, you would get five lives in a game. But, Aaron, Zebby is holding a dirty little secret. Ew. It actually that. has codes, sorta. Okay. Uh, if you use. Like cheat codes? Yeah. All right. If you use poke commands, which is. Probably oh, yeah. probably cheating more than the developer meant for the your poke. Uh, if you use poke commands, you can actually get infinite lives. Yeah. You can also remove the top of the screen, the top board. Oh, that would be that's like a whole different game if you do that. So that's kind of uh, cool. There's a few little fun tidbits for you. Also, Aaron, someone remade Zibby. Okay. In 2008, a a a, a gentleman went and took zebby and said i'm gonna put you in c and put him in c code uh and you can download it what it does is it's the exact same game uh except instead of having a black background they throw a a picture background at the the what the replacement black background doesn't Scroll doesn't change. It just sets back there. Yeah. And so they put something like a, a, a picture. Yeah. And the music isn't the beep, beep, beep. It, it actually has almost like an orchestra type thing playing the exact same song. Yeah. <laughs> and it adds little like jump noises. Most of the things it adds is sound effects. But the game itself plays almost identically... To what's on the Have you orbit. played
0: this? I have. This I just. Yes. So it
1: runs in Windows with no problem. Yes. Yeah. This is actually what I played it on more than anything you else. You have to link this up. Uh, well, yeah, I can. Yeah, that's no problem. I'll put it in the uh, show notes. The, the show notes, sure. Uh, so, Zebby, Aaron, fun little game. Do you think this is good enough to be hidden gem material? I do. I absolutely think this. This is probably. We've played, of
0: course, this is like third guard around the Oric. This is probably, the. I'm not saying this is the best game we've played, but it's certainly, to me, it's the most fun. Addictive. It's, yeah. a, it's, it's a lot of fun, and it's. this goes to show you that these simple sorts of games, man, when they get done right, I mean, this would really surprise me. Yeah. I was real surprised about this one because it doesn't seem like there's that much going on. Like well, I said, this is a pretty obscure game, so clearly if somebody came back and redid it and see... Clearly, people aside from us had gotten into it. Well, you know?
1: when you see a screenshot of this, or even a video of it, you're thinking, oh, this looks kind of dumb. Yeah. Right? But when you play it, you it sinks its dirty little spring claws into yeah. you, and it makes you want to just try it one more time. And it holds that high score that you've got. It's always present on the screen. Yeah, It's up there in the upper uh, right-hand corner. Forever, yeah. And your score is over in the o- upper left-hand corner, and you're like, man, I. If you're a high score guy, it just taunts you. It just taunt. There's no waiting for a high score screen. This thing just taunts at you. I love it. You know, th-
0: and again, this is a game that can be. You can see this on any machine. This got me like. I was just thinking Vectrix. Anything you could put this anything in. One thing I liked with this simple controls. You know, it's. I mean, they're the dirt. I think it's the left and the right and the jump. That's it. A hold our spring
1: activator, and they. So, I mean, it works perfectly in that element. So, I, I enjoyed it. One more thing to mention, Eric. Yeah. You don't, of course, if you get your pickups, you score in this game. Yeah. Right. But you don't score by just progressing. You score by jumping. So to really crank out that score, you're going to find yourself making little micro jumps. Or long this you know, long arcing jumps when you really don't need to jump. Yeah, and it's gonna get you in trouble. But it's part of that pressure like element that a high score game really needs. Yeah. I love it. And this it. absolutely has that with the with the uh you know, the bonus items you can pick up with yes. but,
0: you know, that's a dead end. We've got a couple reviews on this one too, the Brent. We got lucky this week. Uh Pajako chimes in. Uh this game is irritating as heck. But I can't stop playing it. It's like Flappy <laughs> yeah. Bird all over again. The tune, Over the Waves, will be familiar to anyone who has played Carnival. Yes, it's exactly the same song. And that game, uh, and, and like that game, it plays relentlessly as you yes. repeatedly die. I found the trick to this is to jump and then steer in the air when you can. That is the trick. Once you get the hang of it, you can start to make progress, and it does have checkpoints so you're not totally boned when you die again. Uh, but the one thing that is unforgivable in Zebby is that at some point it comes down to lucky, being lucky and becomes a memory test. You have to choose the right path, otherwise you'll beef it. And for a tricky game, that ain't nice. They should have gone more pickups <laughs> on some paths so you can proceed in the game. However... That said, it's a simple mechanic, and it plays well uh, when you know what to do. Give it a whirl. You will swear. You may even smash your keyboard, but you will go back for more 7 out of 10. That's very true. Uh, Spinny also chimed in on this one. The first thing you notice is the music. pleasant for a while, but thankfully you can turn the sound off in the game menu. So this must have been something that the org did a lot. You don't see that that much. The game involves jumping on the platforms, even either higher or lower than your current position and gain jump momentum by keeping the question mark key pressed. This determines the height and length of your jump. The Z and X keys move you left and right. You'll lose many lives and pull out your hair with frustration the first 20 or so gains until you remember the pattern of platforms. Even then, remember to take your finger off the jump key before moving or you will slide <laughs> off into the inferno below. A frustrating but enjoyable game. I've been back a couple times to see if I could get further. So there must be something about the game. Seven out of ten yep. on that one, Brent. I will say. I guess, by addictive. the way, I did not try to memorize anything, and I had some success just by
1: sheer force well, of will. If you don't have to memorize it per se, yeah. Uh, I, there's only a few actual push off points, right? That you cannot physically get past. Yeah. Some paths are. Paths jumping wise are easier to take than others, though. Yeah, but I think this is a, a good game. I like both
0: these games this week. Uh, uh, this, is, it's, I'll tell you, the Orioles. I like they had thousands of games, and since we, this is the third go around on this thing, uh, I was I was surprised to find well, a couple of Good ones. Yeah, I was surprised to find a couple. That were winners. Big big winners. We might
1: have to uh we might have to acquire an auric, Aaron. Well listen, the last
0: time I said you looked at the an where you're like, ah, you need to get that. Right. You're you know, I think you'd be a, a big player in, in the big F, Brent. I you 'cause you're you're down with the French. When they're ga- you like a lot of their games. So there you go. I like a lot of their food, too. Well there you go. You know
1: you, know, not- you know where else they speak French, Aaron. Uh no, I don't. Canada? <laughs> Where our sponsor, Retro Rewind, is. Let's talk about
0: RetroRewind.ca. You know, uh, having uh, just uh, returned from Chicago to see these gentlemen perform firsthand, and you can see the skill on display as they were repairing everything that moved at Cocoa Fest. Why? Because RetroRewind.ca is your number one source for not only repair work and recapping, but it's your number one source For repair parts If you're going to do it yourself For diagnostic tools And I don't mean I mean chips I mean cartridges Anything you need to diagnose a problem with your machine And of course They also sell great SD solutions uh, Accelerators and the like Plus all your ROMs All your Amiga kickstart ROMs All that sort of thing Your workbench is good to go Everyone that uh, is anyone Knows about Frank at RetroRewind.ca Please give him a shot today. That's RetroRewind.ca for all your repair and supply needs. Yes. Conveniently located in the non fridge speaking section of Canada. <laughs> Although they take care of both sides. By the way, I met some French Canadians at the Cocoa Fest, they have cool accents. Much cooler than ours, I will say that. Well, What'd you
1: add to the wheel this week, Aaron? Friend? Well, if you recall, we hit a retro rewind, so only yeah. a retro rewind piece was needed. Yeah, and we added the Amstrad Mega PC oh, back man. to the wheel. T- I'm not gonna say a thing.
0: Just spin the thing. Why? Of all the things to put on the wheel, the, do you
1: remember what the Mega PC was? Not at all. Uh, that's
0: what I thought. <laughs>
1: Also, I don't choose what goes on the wheel, Aaron. The wheel chooses what goes I to, on the wheel. I'm going to pay more oh, attention. Oh, no. What'd you get? We've got some chat subject choice, Oh, toys, good Aaron. God,
0: no. All right. Members of the chat, uh, this is your time to shine, uh, such as it is. Brent, they are going to pick a subject. Now, this means they're going to be picking not a, a computer, per se, correct? But, uh, something. Games a,
1: about cats, game kung, kung fu yes. games,
0: stuff like that. So, chat... We're going to give you a minute or two to deliberate uh, your choice. And I've got something to talk about anyway while we're here, Brent. Uh, This past week, uh, you know, we know a guy, a good guy. His name is John Bodevcar Schaller. And John Bodevcar Schaller is a designing freak. And uh, you may not know this, but we have a T-shirt shop, Brent. Did
1: you know we had one of those? I did,
0: yes. And if you want to hop over to AmigaTees.com, You'll see a whole slew of lovely shirts and some other stuff. He's actually put up some like uh, some like a um, like vinyl stickers or whatever, and he has just put up a brand new ARG shirt, and it looks awesome. A uh, very cool shirt. Please check that out if you get a chance. Pick one of those up or any of the other myriad of uh, cool shirts. Also, I had him make us a Monkey Academy shirt. You, too, could go to Monkey Academy just like this guy did. Graduate today. He's even got a 1200XL shirt up there. He's got all kinds of cool stuff. He's got a uh, top banana. He's got a whole a uh, whole slew of cool stuff. So if you're interested in getting some swag, some merch from the Amigos uh, crew, and plus just some stuff that has nothing to do with us, uh, you can hop over and, ch- and check into that. Uh, do you want to talk about uh, anything that you've got on the docket? Should we talk about the Spirit of the Wheel real quick while we're here?
1: Uh, we will be filming a Spirit of the Wheel uh, to fulfill our obligation to John Booncourt Schaller as an extra episode, an extra mini episode. Uh, that should hit the release uh, probably probably right before this show goes to YouTube.
0: Eminently would be the best way to do it. Eminently. It will be very quickly coming online so and uh, the spirit of the wheel is a uh, patreon uh, level exclusive yeah. level
1: that uh only one person can hold at a time and you basically pick a subject for us to do a little mini episode on yeah we're getting a lot you're of good fine. we're getting you're a lot fine. of good
0: suggestions here as i look at them going by uh you've got about 10 seconds left to get your suggestions in then we're
1: gonna take things to the house you're gonna do with the old random number? Game. i am aaron i'm I am tallying up the results right now. So even, oh boy, we got—I got a few here that I don't want, and a few here that I'd love to see. Even the suggestions are left to, to the uh, Lady Luck. We don't even pick
0: those. We're gonna—we're gonna let the uh, let the random number generator decide. You want to talk about some of the names that you've got picked here? I—I do not. No. I am gonna let the Mr. Random Generator just do its work. I'll tell the people. Just I'm looking through here. We the suggestions. Cop games. Trading games on 8-bit, fishing games, Dragon 3 games that are on the Coco, interesting. Uh, games
1: based on the weather, Wild that's West games. The weather one would be great. Pong remakes. Yep. And All right. That's it. We are going to generate, and then we are going to look here. Oops, I'm going to pull the tab completely out. And so Monkey Academy right there. It looks like... Mm-hmm, the want. winner is... Five, six, uh, Weather! Games based on weather.
0: Games based <laughs> Who would suggest that one? Let's see who that was. That was from... Uh, is that... Who was that? Goldie? Is that Goldie? Goldie yep. Yep. Okay, so... Goldilocks UK. Goldilocks UK. Well, listen. We'll see I- if we're having porridge or eaten by bears next week. Uh, When we checked that one out. So, again, state that one more time for the record. Games based on weather. I will say, that one probably we would never have picked. So, I don't know what that, I'm not sure what, I guess, blizzards, storms, any of that sort of thing. So, I guess that's going to be sort of wide open for us. That should be fun, though. Hey, why not? Games based on the weather. Sounds good to me. Something tells me I'm going to be manufacturing some logos next week. (laughs) I don't think I'll be stealing that one. Britt,
1: do you have any more uh, news that we need to talk about here? Uh, uh, one thing I want to jump on is BoatFest uh, quickly approaching. Just a, just a few words. I'm not going to hit you over the head with it. Uh, if you are interested in going to BoatFest, your time is literally running out. BoatFest.info. Get there today.
0: You just printed up the local posters to go up, so that means that we're going to get some people from around town to go, and that will probably take care of most of the rest of the tickets. The
1: uh, other thing I want to mention is to the ARG Patreons, uh, I'm going to be contacting you fairly shortly to get addresses for your super secret free merchandise. Um, If you don't want it, you don't have to take it, obviously. Uh, if you feel odd about giving your address, that's fine. Otherwise, I'll ge- need your address. Uh, I'm going to try to ship these in a way that you won't have to pay any import fees. Um, but even if you did, it should be incredibly minimal. So you're incredibly what you're minimal. is that people that are part of Patreon, you're sitting up goodies. Yes, you yeah, and th- those will, how nice. Yeah, those will. Sh- I'm I'm trying to time it so it arrives about the same time that BoatFest happens, yeah. And, and the product will be on sale at BoatFest as well. But for uh, the non-Patreon. Yeah, this is like. a gift for our Patreons. If you want this gift, you have to be a Patreon at the beginning of June. Okay. And you have to have at least a history pledge of $10. That doesn't mean you have to be pledged at the $10 level. It means you have to have... Ten dollars worth of pledge.
0: Okay. Well, most people. That are, and, you know, throughout that, your history, most people that have been patrons for a while they've surpassed that. Absolutely.
1: But, you know. they, I mean, if you're a Patreon right now, you, you're golden, yeah. right? If you're wanting to get in on the free, the free goodie, the free mystery goodie, because you won't know what it is, until it even up at know. your door.
0: I have no idea what it is. Um,
1: yeah, basically, you'd have to get signed up right now at, at, at either a five or ten dollar level. Be a Patreon at the beginning of June, and we're going to get that stuff out. Okay, that
0: sounds cool. I didn't know about that. That sounds great. So join us next week as we have a look at games that are wholly based on the weather. (laughs) We'll catch you guys next time. Until then, have a good one.